0: transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the
1: desert. Well, night has fallen on the desert. Thanks for coming out, everybody. We are here tonight in Palm Springs, shaded by these great mountains. And if you're looking for a place to live in the hot, low desert, being shaded by tall mountains for part of the day is very important. Water helps too. Nice to have a source of water when it's 115 degrees, which it's not this evening. Thankfully, we are not there yet. Thanks for joining us at the Palm Springs Art Museum tonight. It's pretty fancy for a radio show from Joshua Tree. You might be out here thinking, well, how is he going to mix up Andy Warhol and desert conservation and desert preservation? I will do it in the usual way, haphazardly. Just sort of feeling my way through the cactus garden. Well, Andy Warhol grew up in Pittsburgh and he spent his long career in art, living and working in New York, city work, factory work, for many years. He was known for urban art, but he made more than 10,000 works that are flowers. His series of 10 endangered species screen prints, which are here, was made for the cause of protecting 10 endangered species. And there's an American bighorn, an American bighorn sheep among those. He made posters wishing the people of New York Happy Butterfly Day and Happy Bug Day. That's cheerful. And besides his wild 40 acres of beautiful Rocky Mountain land up the road from Hunter Thompson's Owl Farm in the town of Aspen, Andy Warhol owned 20 acres near the tip of Long Island, Montauk a rustic 1930s fishing camp settlement on the seashore, surrounded by protected wetlands and cliffs and open space. It's a raw landscape with 30-foot bluffs and a rocky shoreline below, trees gnarled by the wind, a place that has been described as extreme, a draw for, quote, the souls of artists, writers, and musicians who seek the edge that's from a 2006 New York Times article about the property, and it sounds a lot like the kind of press we're getting up in Joshua Tree in Pioneer Town today. Well this wild seashore was Andy Warhol's favorite place and he kept it like it was. This is what he said about it. I think having land and not ruining it is the most beautiful art that anybody could ever wanna own. He said nearly the same thing to an Aspen Times reporter in 1981. Land is the best art. The Montauk house itself belongs to very rich people today as usual, but the 15 wild acres around it are a nature conservancy preserve according to Warhol's wishes one of the last rare wild chunks on the tip of Long Island, the rare Montauk Moorlands. Now there's a desert angle, too. There's always a desert angle. If there's not a desert angle, then it's probably not going to be on Desert Oracle Radio. Probably. Warhol was deep into his movie production routine by the late 1960s, and he and Paul Morrissey wanted to do something different, something on location. A factory character called Vera Cruz went to Tucson every year for her health. She had tuberculosis or something, a persistent cough. She wore a black leather motorcycle jacket over a white nurse uniform. She could take a car apart and put it back together again. Anyway, she wound up driving a lot of the factory crew out to Arizona, and they met up with Warhol, who flew, and from the airport in Tucson, they headed off. Bear Cruz drove this tourist bus out to yes, to Oracle, Arizona, the same little settlement where Edward Abbey claimed to live, although he just kept a PO box there for fan mail and bill collectors, etc. The Warhol cruise destination was the Rancho Linda Vista Dude Ranch, an 80-acre desert property with the of Western movie set-up set that you might find in Town today. The movie wound up being called Lonesome Cowboys, an improvised cowboy costume melodrama comedy thing offensive to polite society. It was more or less a William S. Burroughs Old West fantasy, a send-up of the all-American cowboy movie. Not a one-horse town, but a one-woman town. The men all handsome and interested only in each other. The action mostly consisting of standing around while making up a lot of deadpan, foul-mouthed dialogue. Now, the owner of the movie ranch did not really care at first. It was just a little extra income while he was trying to sell the place. He wanted to get rid of it. It had once shown a little brighter. Dean Martin and John Wayne and Rita Hayworth had been out there for movies or recreation or both, but westerns were pretty much over by the late 1960s, and the only good ones during this time were being made in Spain by Sergio Leone. So it was Andy Warhol who made the last western at Rancho Linda Vista, before it was sold to a commune. A communal arts group still settled at this fine spot in the Catalina foothills today. 4,500 feet in elevation an ideal high desert land. Now, Warhol and Paul Morrissey hired a film crew with all the attendant grips and electricians and such. A fairly professional production overall. And the boys were coming up with some ridiculously dirty dialogue just as a tour group arrived to watch a real western being made. A real cowboy movie. As this will be broadcast on the radio, and that's one of the last things in America with any obscenity rules. I cannot quote the dialogue here, not the good parts, anyway. But there was a lot of stuff like, why, well, I'll show you who the real cowboy is, you bunch of so and sos, etc. And the tourists were very upset. They were slapping their hands over the children's ears, they were running back from the western town in a wild panic. The owner was furious, and then Warhol describes the scene in his book, Popism, that was written with uh, Pat Hackett. The grips, the electricians, and the people who build the sets formed a vigilante committee to run us out of town, just like in a real cowboy movie. The situation was tense, but a deal was made. The factory people would be watched closely through every move, lest an orgy break out right on the dusty streets. Oral says the sheriff's department came out in a helicopter, apparently ready for a riot. There was even a deputy standing on top of the Old West water tower, watching the proceedings through binoculars, at a safe distance, I guess. It all got to be too much, and the shoot was cut short, and the rest of the movie was shot out in old Tucson. Lonesome cowboys had been dreamed up as an excuse to go back to Tucson. Warhol and Paul Morrissey had a great time a few months earlier showing their films at ASU and the Tucson Jewish Community Center, and they just wanted a reason to come back. Tucson is very nice in the autumn and the winter months, and Andy Warhol should have stayed longer. Maybe had he stayed in Tucson all through the spring, maybe then he would have escaped the bullets of his would-be assassin, a violent schizophrenic named Valerie Solanas, excuse me, in case she's here. She was creator and sole member of SCUM, S-C-U-M, the Society for Cutting Up Men, the goal of which was to eliminate the male gender. And while that may be a noble goal, overall, Andy Warhol was her target simply because he had passed on a play that she submitted to the factory. A play so vile and so obscene that he was convinced she was a plant, a narc sent by the obscenity squad of the NYPD or the FBI to trick Warhol into doing something offensive. Something offensive enough to finally be shut down. Finally be locked up for offending the morals of a country that would twice elect Richard Nixon as president. With Nixon's biggest victory, a 49-state landslide reserved for Gate crimes were well-known to American voters. Did we all die a half-century ago? Can anyone prove it? Is this just a fever dream of a finished species, a ghost world on constant repeat with minor variations of the same devils and demons forever and ever? It sure feels that way sometimes. But I guess you could say the same thing about any period in history. It's like playing that old computer game, Sid Meier's Civilization. The technology changes, but people stay mostly the same. And good God, that's depressing. It's depressing to think about, and I think we should talk about animals. Let's talk about animals, the noble forms of life here on Earth. It's time for uh, strange and unusual facts about our desert friends. The ring cat is one of the most delightful animals of the Southwest, sometimes called the miner's cat, because of their habit of moving into a miner's shack and taking up residence on a shelf or a corner somewhere, kind of like a stray cat. The way they may adopt your home as a no-obligations base for killing all the songbirds and ground squirrels in your neighborhood. And while the ring-tailed cat also eats small birds and small rodents, it is not a feline at all. It is, in fact, in the raccoon family. And instead of the usual cat noises, hissing mostly, the ring-tailed cat barks like a dog. Now, desert bighorn rams, they like to pass their time by smashing their skulls together against one another. Their skulls are, in fact, double The reason this does not cause them obvious injury is because they have double skulls, double-layered skulls. Well, why not? The mountain lion is the apex predator of the Southwest and much of the Americas, and it is also not a lion, officially. According to human biologists who decide these things, the mountain lion is considered a small cat. By people who have never stood eye to eye with the mountain lions at the Living Desert Zoo on a cool morning as they look you right in the eye and try to think how to get through that partition and to your throat. But the mountain, mountain lion is the largest of the small cats.
0: heard you're having a radio show tonight. Thought I would give you a call, see how things are going. Maybe we could discuss uh, the issues of the day and maybe we we
1: could. We're kind of expecting you here. I have a microphone set up. I was supposed to be there tonight, Ken. Unfortunately, circumstances
0: have changed, and things have come up completely out of my control that have kind
1: of got me stuck at the house again, you know. Another Thursday night, I'm stuck at home. Uh, well, you're not that far away. It's a half-hour drive. Once you get in the car, I'm doing an hour. You can do the second half. It's We're, we're kind of counting on you can I wish I could I wish I were just half an hour away but unfortunately
0: I'm a little bit further than that I'm up in Victorville out here as you know uh, Mojave Desert Industries has been involved with uh, flipping houses in the superheated market that we're currently in and I've purchased a bunch of houses out here some of the subdivisions at the very edge of the economic zone you know where the the prices really dropped I basically had it where I had taken over this subdivision I was flipping houses and the vacancy rates are so high the half Places were empty, and yet all of them had uh, automatic irrigation sprinklers put in by law. So, I had a way to go to these empty houses and get the water going and use the irrigation systems to grow with a bunch of leaking water to saturate the ground into a kind of a marshy wetland where I grew all these Russian thistles. And I was just going to let them blow down the street to the end of the cul de sac. And collect them and use them as uh, as this set dressing for these projects that are going on at
1: Coachella. So you're you're selling tumbleweeds from Victorville to event planners and set designers at Coachella.
0: Do you know, out here in uh, Victorville, I've been buying up a lot of distressed properties and flipping them. There's a hell of a lot of them out here in this area. Great deal, by the way. You know, as the bubble just keeps on building and the bubble keeps on expanding. These people got to, you know, just keep driving until they qualify. We're getting way out on the edge, but some of these people do qualify, and some of these houses are looking pretty good, ready to go with a little bit of paint and some light maintenance. My partners and I at the Mojave Mirage Real Estate Investment Trust have been making substantial investments in this area which we believe since we're right on the very edge and very end of the bubble as that real estate bubble comes washes over the mountains and out here into the desert, tack out to where it was in 2005 and 6, out in the Apple Valley, Lancaster, Victorville. We're seeing property values almost go up by an entire third over the last year alone. You know, you, they say people drive until you qualify. So we've purchased a bunch of properties out there right in the middle of turning them around spruce them up. They're not that old, only about 10 years old, and just need some cosmetic fix-up, maybe a grass out front and a sideways fence. That's where I am right now. I'm out in one of our properties out here. As we were waiting for property values to increase, I was thinking, gosh, there's got to be some other way to make money on these places. We really couldn't rent them for more than $1,800 a month. Well, I knew through some of my contacts in Hollywood. I know a production designer I met at a party down in Palm Springs worked on this movie, or one of his friends worked on a big Hollywood movie, Quentin Tarantino, and they're doing a Western, and they need a lot of these tumbleweeds, because, you know, the tumble and tumbleweeds, Roy Rogers and the Sons of the Pioneers, that they needed that look of of desolation, of of longing, of, of basically desperation. That you see in those westerns, they needed the tumbleweed, which is, which basically signifies that that tension, that that longing, that loneliness uh, of the great western deserts. It's a very popular motif. They used over thirty thousand tumbleweeds in the production of that movie. That's about fifteen truckloads. They used it for filming, and they were paying something like I don't know. They were saying three to four dollars per head. That head is a Hollywood jargon for a single tumbleweed call by the head that's about a hundred thousand dollars i i had this plan To grow all these things, to sell to production designers or product releases at Coachella. Then I got undersold, I got underbid by a guy from Caltrans who works for their noxious weed abatement program. He got down to 50 cents a head, so I got stuck with all these tumbleweeds because I had to stop paying the workers. The winds basically came up, I didn't get to sell my tumbleweeds to Coachella. You know, the Russian thistle, as it's known Salsola tragus, as its scientific name, is actually not such a bad weed. They call it a an noxious weed. It's imported by uh, some Russian farmers or something in North Dakota in 1870 or something. But hey, you know, without that Russian thistle, turns out that's what saved the cattle industry during the Dust Bowl. Because that was the only plant that would grow and the cattle can eat it. So it's, it's not all bad of a plant. It's got some good uses there. Turns out Coachella, you know, Coachella is one of the biggest musical festivals in the world. I know Huge impact on social media, people with purchasing power. Coachella is a place where some of the gr- world's greatest manufacturers, designers like to launch new products, get the kids involved. You got everybody there. You got those uh, uh, electric scooter guys. Range Rover released their brand new Mojave Desert Range Rover line there. These guys design huge events, big stars, lots of light, beautiful set design to introduce their products. Well, it turns out one of these designers, uh, name is uh, Sergio Setsuali, they were coming out with this cactus and rattlesnake-proof boot. High design, though, that carbon fiber inlay, Gila Monster Lizard. They're going to use the skin of a Gila Monster as the upper. Beautiful shoe. They're using Coachella to do the product launch. They wanted a bunch of these tumbleweeds. So I figured I'd be making a cool ninety, hundred thousand dollars out of the deal. Well, as it turns out, you know, the invisible hand of the market, you know, it's everywhere. You can't see it coming because it's invisible, but I guess I didn't do my due diligence. I didn't really research the market fully or maybe who my competition was going to be. Turns out there's a guy who works over at Caltrans. He works in their noxious weed abatement program. And this guy, it's his job. It's his job to go around the highways and collect tumbleweeds. This guy's clearing 3,000 head a day and storing them out in Hinkley at the maintenance yard. And he starts talking to Sergio and we enter into a bidding war. Uh, you know the thing about the bidding war that's the invisible hand of the market doing its efficiency thing and sometimes that invisible hand you know you can't see it it's invisible but it comes out of nowhere and it just kind of kind of slaps you around and sometimes it gets you by the throat and and, and throws you down in the economic dirt when we were running into uh, cash flow difficulties there Uh, with these properties, not being able to get enough money on rentals. At that point in a business, you kind of have to decide who you're going to pay now and who you're going to pay later. So of course, we want to pay ourselves now because we got bills, so we paid ourselves first. But these guys basically didn't want to show up and do any work unless they were going to get paid. So I had all these tumbleweeds drying out, getting ready to break off. So I just figured, well, we'll let nature do its thing. And normally they just blow through, if I leave the gates open, they blow around the side of the house and go out in the desert, don't bother anybody. But we got a pretty major crop here. They kind of jammed into the fence, into the gate openings. As fast as they were coming, I couldn't clear them, they formed this giant drift. Before I knew it, the whole front yard was filled with these tumbling tumbleweeds. There was really no way to get out of it. I couldn't really get into the front of the house anymore. The the tumbleweeds had built up so quickly and with such aggressive force. I managed to get around the back side of the house and, and come in through the garage side door. Made sure to board everything up because these things were building up fast. I've been inside the house for the, uh, the last uh, three days, actually. I'm upstairs, and I can uh, see out of the master bedroom window just over the top of the drift into the street below. And as far as I can see, it's just kind of like a large, yellowish, undulating mass. Like I'm looking through a, a giant loop up going all the way down the street for the entire block and that's where i'm calling you from and basically that's why i'm stuck here
1: well I, i'm sure you've considered this already but could you not go back through the garage door and get out the other side there i didn't to the really
0: give myself an option to escape you see we had we had these garages and we figured well we're just paying rent on these empty garages we might as well use them for storage space so we we've already filled the uh the garages and the sheds in the back and the backyards uh with tumbleweeds we'd already gone to capacity so there's gonna be really hard for me to get out of the garage again now that i've got tumbleweeds both on the inside and the outside and uh, top it off they've they stacked up against the back sliding patio door and it looks like I've developed a few uh, few cracks around the perimeter and I'm, I'm kind of scared to go down there. And ever since the power went out yesterday, well, uh, I've, I've just retreated to this upstairs master bedroom. It's got a very big tub. It's very, you know, soothing in here. I'd like to be able to get down to the pantry and get something to eat, but I really can't because the, the tumbleweed, up, they breached the door. They breached the door last night. I was, I was trying to keep them back. I had plywood up against it and cross braces, but they just kept, kept pushing and pushing and scratching at the door, and you know, a, a, little, a little tendril comes in around the side through the crack, and once that happens, once they get one of their tendrils in through the door, I think I'm gonna be all right, though. I, I just gotta wait until someone comes and rescues me, and I was kinda hoping, actually, Ken, you, after the show, because, uh...
1: You know, uh, police and fire crews have been rescuing people in Victorville, from these tumbleweed walls, right up there in that development. Just call the police, call 911, ask for help. I
0: wish I could call the county and uh, ask for help, you know. We all need help at some time, but now, unfortunately, county won't respond to any of my calls because I uh well I I kind of went down this this tax loophole wormhole like a loophole wormhole and how to pay less taxes and well the end of it basically I declared myself a sovereign nation last year and refused to pay any property taxes or income taxes so the county officials and uh, government agencies refused to help me. I'm kind of stuck here, Ken. I can't really call anybody because I, I uh, didn't pay any of my taxes. Yeah, I could go around blaming myself like a lot of people do, oh, it's all my fault, but I'm not going to sit here and play the, play the, oh, woe is me, pity me, I'm such a mess up kind of guy. I'm going to put blame where, where it probably belongs, which is the guys and gals up there in Sacramento. Now I'm, up, I'm upstairs, I'm upstairs in the bathroom, and I, I should be okay now, I, I, I feel pretty good up here, but uh, you know what, it, it sounds like, uh, oh boy, oh yeah, you know, it sounds like it's right right outside the bathroom door now, Ken, and these are just, these are just hollow core doors, they're super cheap, I mean, they wouldn't stop a fire, they wouldn't stop any noise, And they're, they're definitely not going to stop these, these tumbleweeds once those tendrils get through, I'm, uh, okay, Ken, I, if you can't get out here, I, I need you to get a hold of my fixer. is a friend of mine, my lawyer. You know I'm Oscar. Oscar. And you you got to promise me you'll get to him, and just just tell him these words. Just tell him the Salton Sea is rising. He'll know what to do. The Salton Salt Sea is, is rising. rising. I, I'm gonna have to cross. I'm gonna have to get across the room here. I, I left my earbuds across the room, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go over and reach him and, and get him out. Just just hold on for a second. Hold on.
1: Brendan. Brendan, stay put. I did text Oscar. I'm sure he will see it soon. Well, that was Brendan Mays, everybody. He's sorry he couldn't be here. Hopefully he'll be all right. Tens of thousands of tumbleweeds blowing over from scraped desert subdivision lots to the development Across the road, it's almost like there's a downside to killing everything with a bulldozer. Well, from Amboy to Isaac's, and across the great Mojave wilderness, this is Desert Oracle Radio, broadcasting from KCDZ 107.7 in downtown Joshua Tree, and recorded tonight at the Palm Springs Art Museum. Thank you for coming out. I hope you enjoy the exhibit tonight, especially those big Warhol silkscreen prints. You know, Andy Warhol would pay bar tabs with his paintings and silkscreen prints in the 1960s, spend all night out with his ridiculous superstars in the Velvet Underground and Nico, and maybe the ambassador from Iran or a Kennedy sibling or two. And he'd pay the owners of Max's Kansas City with some fresh art from the factory. that should cover another week of open tabs these people hardly drank alcohol it was amphetamine that kept them going all the time imagine getting that kind of multi-million dollar art for the wholesale price of a couple of dozen watery vodka tonics buy art when you can friends buy and hold as warren buffett says but only buy what you love like a stray dog or a sofa You should only bring home art. You should only bring art into your home if you are committed to looking at it for many years to come despite the problems, despite your problems. Because once an artist is a sure thing, we can't afford it. This is what I've read anyway. Sometimes I like to sit up in Joshua Tree and read Art Forum or whatever. Keep up with things from a safe distance. You for listening, <laughs> and good night from the voice of the desert.